This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 109 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have a checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, along with our trailer roundup featuring the newest trailers for Disney's live-action Pinocchio and Star Wars' Andor. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 109 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy doody. Welcome to episode 109 of the Drive-In Podcast. This is Dr. O on the horn. We have our hump day release for this week. We have our trailer roundup, okay, with a new exciting Star Wars trailer, okay, going away from the Skywalker saga, getting underground, getting gritty with Cassie and Andor from Rogue One. Then we have Robert Zemeckis, and we got combining with Geppetto himself, Tom Hanks, along with a bunch of other interesting news this week. This is Dr. On the Horn. I'm joined, as always, by Ricky Flex. Ricky Flex, we have a lot of Star Wars news this week. What do you think about that, kid? Yeah, a lot of leaks, a lot of leaks. Um, mm. I think Star Wars is on a, such an interesting path here. I think just because there's so many different timelines happening right now, like one appeals to me more than the other and vice versa or i think there's like what i'm trying to say is just a lot of different traje- uh, trajectories going on right now in the star wars star wars universe and i think that just disney plus is affecting is making that happen and i think it's cool at, on one side of it but on the other side it's like we need to be able to focus on one timeline which is like for me my most important timeline is the movies whatever they're gonna take going towards cinema and what we're going to see at the movie theaters. That's what I'm most interested in. And that's like the one thing they don't really have control yet. Right? They don't really have a direction of what they're going to do. And then you hear Pedro Pascal saying that the Mandalorian is going to be in a movie sooner than later. So it's like, all right, so are we going to, like, I don't, I'm just unsure of the direction of the cinematic Star Wars universe or timeline. But everything else, like, they're in pretty good hands. Like, I think they're in better hands than for Disney Plus than Marvel right now. So I think with Star Wars, it's really interesting because we see from Star Wars Celebration this week, along with the leaks that you're discussing, there's a huge push for TV with Star Wars and uh, more so than the films. Like I'll bring up a really quick, I guess, note regarding films for Star Wars. The next live action Star Wars movie is going to be Taika Waititi's. And there aren't a lot of details about the timeline of when that's going to occur. But that is exciting news because I feel like it would have been – it's going to be outside the Skywalker saga. It's going to be exploring this the vastness of this universe. I mean we have like series that we're going to talk about. We have John Watts' series that's going to be starring Jude Law, all right, uh, post-Return of the Jedi uh, and or exploring, continuously exploring this era between episode three and episode four, similar to what Obi-Wan is going through right now. It's just, and there's also like news like High Republic era 
type of stories that are going to be told prior to episode one and then going on with like these tales of the Jedi that are going to go on these anthology stories following these iconic characters from the prequel trilogy specifically. So I think it's really interesting because there's a push for TV, but it's showing the vastness of the galaxy, this commitment to telling stories that are away from what we already know, right? Which is interesting because we're watching Kenobi right now. So are you down for like exploring other parts of this galaxy or do would you rather see characters you're familiar with from your star wars past i feel like they're focusing on the television shows focusing on the past and focusing on the characters that we already know and i think that's great for now right stir up different interests from former timelines or past timelines yes that's good for right now but at the end of the day you just can't be doing that forever so they mm-hmm. will have to explore other places in the galaxy and will that will they do that with taika for the next movie maybe I would be interested in letting Taika run with with his own, I guess, ideas of the Star Wars universe and his own kind of take on it and what his crazy mind would kind of whip up. That's where I kind of lean towards uh, cinematically because it seems like they're not going to do that television series-wise. Yeah, so I I mean, I think this is where we're going to see a lot of creativity when it comes to the movies because, right, I think we've all expected what has been coming in terms of its connections with the Skywalker saga and with the original like trilogy, think about Rogue One, its connections to, right, episode four, and from stemming from the events of episode three. It's interesting that we're diving into these parts, just like we don't know exactly, at least the casual fan doesn't know the exact direction of Star Wars, okay, and these stories. So I feel like they're kind of all over the place right now in terms of the timeline. Uh, It's exciting, but also a little nerve-wracking because – how is it going to do when there are no connections to any of the Jedi we've talked about previously with very loose connections? Because I assume that's what we're looking at going into the future with these announced projects. Yeah, and I guess my last point, I think you make a good point there too. But my last point would be, I, I would just compare it to like a sports franchise where you have these great players, but, and like mm. for the fans, that's great. But we kind of want to see like, what's our strategic direction? that we're going in are we trying to make the playoffs are we trying are we going to win now mentality like what's our plan because all right like just we we get it you we have a lot of good stuff here but what are we going to do with it that's what we want to know we like not knowing a lot but we want just an overarching like goal or just method like methodology i guess idea of where we're headed so we're just comforted i guess rather than having this state of uncertainty yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think we should run through a couple of the stories that came out from Star Wars Celebration, and we'll pick and choose which ones we feel like are most relevant and ones that we just straight up want to talk about because we love chatting about Star Wars. So we had Tales of the Jedi that's going to release in fall 2022 on Disney+. Plus. This is going to be an animated anthology series that's going to follow various Jedi during the pre- the prequel era, including Count Dooku, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Ahsoka Tano, okay? Powerful Sith-like characters and Jedi characters, all right? And we also have the return of Liam Neeson to voice Qui-Gon Jinn in Tales of the Jedi and Liam Neeson's son, okay? It's going to voice a young Qui-Gon. It's going to be a series produced by Dave Filoni with Dave Filoni's involved. You know, it's going to be very loyal to Star Wars canon. And he is an expert at this prequel era, whether you're looking at Clone Wars or Rebels. I think uh, that's very exciting. So we have that. We also have, as I said before, 
Taika Waititi, confirmed by Kathleen Kennedy, his Star Wars film is next. That's going to be the next Star Wars film you see on the big screen. Uh, let's see if we keep that promise. Next, John Watts' untitled Star Wars series. Actually, his untitled Star Wars series has now been titled Star Wars Skeleton Crew, and that's going to star Jude Law. Jude Law going to be the star. So this is going to follow a group of kids, even though Jude Law is the star, uh, that are about 10 years old, but it's quote-unquote not a kid's show. I mean, dude, what are we talking about right now? It's not a kid's show. It's Star Wars, but it has kids in it, and it stars Jude the Law. Uncertainty. Like, can, can you be like any more like unclear about the direction of that show? Uh, and then we had trailers for Andor. Okay, so the series is going to premiere on August 31st, continuing the story from Diego Luna's character from Rogue One. This is a prequel for his character. And we also have something we didn't see necessarily, but Star Wars fans got to see at Star Wars Celebration, an extended teaser trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3, which apparently confirms Bo-Katan as the main villain or a villain in the next season. All right? So I just listed a bunch of different projects at Ricky Flicks. Which one do you want to talk about first? Which one catches your ear? I think we just go with the biggest one to start off, and that's The Mandalorian. And it's funny that you say like the big the big uh, antagonist, Bo Katan. I John Carlo Esposito is has like he is going to be in this season. He's gonna so, squish that little green bastard. Yeah, it's confirmed. So yes, maybe that she's the like she might be the antagonist to start because she wants the the uh the, the dark saber, right? <laughs> she wants it from Mando or Pedro Pascal, and maybe she gets it. Right, or maybe even the and like maybe the Mandalorian has to like work his way back to get it and earn it, like earn it back. Right, we saw in Boba Fett he was struggling a little bit with it, and then maybe he learns to wield it properly. I think that might be the path here for this, based on the leaked footage. Um, because obviously, like also from the leak foot, uh, leak trailer, I mean, is uh, he's going back to Mandalore to try to earn his stripes back, right? So, mm-hmm. I think this is clearly like the best thing Star Wars has got going. I think we've all known that for a while. And I think this trailer kind of like solidifies that even though it was only like a minute or so. And my last thing I'll say on this is that I still, for me, it pains me to say see Grogu because I love him, but I just wish he was a Jedi. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder, cause like, you don't just like, are we not going to see Grogu expand the powers he has? Is like Mando. They're probably going to deteriorate. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking too. If Luke Skywalker is no longer working with you and you're working under obviously the the Mandalorian or just like being with him the entire time, he doesn't know necessarily the ways of the force, right? He has a dark saber, but he doesn't even know how to wield that. So what kind of skill set is Grogu gonna push forward in this upcoming season? Uh I I could see him still like wielding a, like a lightsaber at some point you know I, I i i don't know what's the likelihood but i know fans are going to beg to see something like that maybe beg 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 maybe the dark saber <laughs> i i do i but he would i mean he yeah. i think that would thing if he could wield that he's like the strongest like living creature that can handle the force like if you can't if he if you don't even have mando able to lift up that dark saber like it'd be amazing <laughs> if we saw grogu wielding that thing taking down bo katan or grogu getting some revenge on giancarlo esposito's um mm. what's mm. his character gosh giancarlo it's uh moff gideon yeah uh, gideon but uh no yeah like 
again, like I, I would love to see Grogu wield a Jedi, uh, a, a saber, lightsaber, but I just don't know how that would make sense, I guess, uh -huh. is what my big worry. Um, I guess another thing based off of this trailer is that like we didn't see Sokatana, right? We didn't see Boba Fett, right? So both things, Sokatana in the last season of The Mandalorian, getting her own show. Boba Fett just had his season and who took over that the Mandalorian we don't see either of them in this trailer and we don't see the Marshal right we don't see uh Timothy Oliphant either so maybe he just he stays in Boba Fett only I don't know but we don't see those three characters but you know who we do see is Carl Weathers and he's looking fly he's looking like an alpha he's looking like he took over this community and they're striving good to see that gonna be interesting to see where like what his impact will be will he just be a like a, just a glorified cameo sidekick or will he actually have a huge impact on the season? I don't know. Cause he had a huge impact in season one. Um, but in season three, are we like already past that? If he's going to Mandalore to fight Bo-Katan, I don't know, but it was good Did to see him. He to looks see good. This trailer? I didn't see this. Did it leak? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, am I? Yeah. I saw it on uh, Twitter or whatever. Really? I like, I, I didn't think where did he's wearing like, it? so just to was it a main, you. was it a main outlet that you saw this trailer? No, no, no. I uh, saw this just on a, from a random, like, like it was obviously people in a screening room and oh, someone's amazing. illegally taken a screen of it, like a video of it. Ah. Like Carl Weathers wearing like a red drape. Like, you know what priests wear? Like Catholic priests, they wear like, uh, like their outfit. Like he's basically doing that. Like Carl Weathers is, but it's red and it okay. looks awesome. Interesting. So maybe he has a more important role during this season. Maybe he stepped up in status, yeah. right? As we move away from season one of the Mandalorian, uh, like he is like the Mandalorian is kind of like the focal point for star Wars. Cause you look at like all these announcements, they're kind of low level characters or somewhat unknown characters to major star Wars fans. The Mandalorian is the one that is the center of pop culture right now. So I guess this has got to be the biggest story. Um, but yeah, so I guess where do we leave off with him and Grogu, like Moff Gideon? Like it feels like forever since we've seen him, but it was only like the end of season two. It's just the fact that we've seen the Mandalorian in Boba Fett, right? You feel like he just had a season of the Mandalorian. Yeah, honestly. you do feel that. Like I really, I really feel like it's been forever since we saw Moff Gideon, you know, nuts. And he was such a powerful figure, uh, end of season one through season two. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Wait, I, so, and I, go ahead, sorry. So you didn't see, I, I don't mean to transition I away. I any but, of the Mandalorian season three teaser. So you didn't see the Ahsoka Tano trailer teaser either? No. Okay, it wasn't that much. It was like a minute long. And it was just yeah, like. Are you on like the dark web? Like where are you getting these trailers? No, like I'm sure you could just Google it. Like. Maybe uh, I'm Ahsoka Tano like trailer or whatever. It was all the Star Wars celebration that we talked about that well i heard tale. about it but like i guess i'm just a loser who didn't dig deep enough and i'm just like oh it's not on it's not on a main it's not on the main star wars outlet so that means i can never see it so that was me <laughs> <laughs> well i I, like, did, I just didn't look hard enough the dark one no, like, ahsoka basically was just like basically like a bunch of quick screenshot a uh, screens images of like rebel characters and like just star wars rebels like show you'll love ahsoka it's basically what they're saying and it looks so it looks pretty good i'm excited to see rosario dawson and anytime you see it you have a jedi show i guess or a jedi prominent show i'm gonna be very interested so i'm gonna i'm very excited for that one and i i've been excited for ahsoka as a like as a character ever since her live action debut 
during Mandalorian season two. That was one of my favorite Star Wars episode, like TV episodes that's ever been released. I thought that, that the thrill of seeing that character and knowing that character's relationship with Anakin Skywalker previously, it has it has me jazzed, right? To see like and explore continuously what's happening during this time. Will Ahsoka somehow turn up in this Obi-Wan series that's happening right now with Anakin, right? also like featured at the end of episode two of obi-wan kenobi spoiler Mm. alert but we got episode three dropping at midnight tonight uh yeah so i just like this is a like and i was not a clone wars guy i don't know much about the character but i'm excited i love the look of ahsoka tano and like she seems like someone that fights between right uh the the dark side and also the ways of the Jedi. It seems like someone she's like, she's like I would keep, she could be conflicted at times. So I'm, I'm assuming that trailer, I mean that, I mean that show could have a dynamic from Jedi's that we've yet to see, or maybe almost just similar to a like Anakin Skywalker type character, her mentor. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's actually a really good point. I, I didn't think about that at all. I think that's a really good point. I also just think that um, like, obviously I just mentioned rebels, like huge fan favorite, is Ahsoka, Ahsoka, mm-hmm. right? And I think that also helps when we're talking about timelines where she's obviously in like the Mandalorian universe or whatever you want to call it, right? And will the Mandalorian show up in Ahsoka? Like, I think it's just another conversation to be had. And like Boba Fett and all these other characters that have been in those two shows. And are they going to build a universe around this, right? And more shows and more characters, more canon. So I think the storyline that you or the plot that you predict or you have an idea perhaps yeah that would be awesome to see but i again it's about like the uncertainty and strategic direction i would i would love to see like a universe built and just slowly progress rather than just like a rapid pace i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah conflicted with the ways of the force um but yeah soka is going to take place after return of the jedi right even though they've been around since right after uh, yeah since, it's it's after, in the mandalorian universe I, like it's the same time frame as the mandalorian got it okay so because like ahsoka like the way we've seen it with the clone wars that's like prequel era so it's like we're seeing there's so much room for exploration with that character like flashback sequences what has this character been up to i just don't know much about the character itself mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i'm talking like post episode two up until after episode six there is such a long gap there Huge. Like that, it's just it's just you don't know what was happening, and we're just so obsessed with the Skywalker saga. This is seems like there is a clear uh, directive by by Kathleen Kennedy. Let's get away from the Skywalkers. Let's see what's going on with the rest of this universe because Filoni has created these juicy characters, or, or built upon and expanded upon these uh, characters from these animated series. You know that people have like actually they have a commitment to, like Cad Bane. We think about with uh boba fett okay ahsoka and like all these characters that are now becoming household names uh i want to talk about quickly speak about a series after return of the jedi john watts's series skeleton crew there's been speculation that this is a movie uh excuse me a series set right after episode six starring a bunch of kids but Jude law is being suspected as playing admiral throng which goes to be another character from this Filoni uh, timeline, I guess, and uh, the characters he's helped um, popularize during his time running these Star Wars animated shows, expanding the canon from prior to, uh, I guess, 
uh, the, 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 during the prequels. You know what I mean? So, like, having Admiral Thrawn there, I think Jude Law would be a perfect just looking at the character. I could see that being excellent. I know people always want Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Okay? But Jude Law is a little bit more available following, like, the Fantastic Beast movie. Maybe that's, like, <laughs> ending soon. You know, maybe he wants to change his direction here. But Admiral Thrawn is a pretty juicy villain that's yet to be explored on the Star Wars screen. What do you think about that speculation, Ricky? I, I've always been a Cumberbatch like theorist or whatever you want to call it, uh, fan fan casting. I think that would have been perfect, but he's a little busy, like we said. But I will say, Jude Law is pretty busy, right? He's going to be in a Peter Pan movie playing Captain Hook, right? He's going to play Henry the Eighth in a movie, and he's got potentially I don't want to jinx it, but Sherlock Holmes three maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to be pretty busy too, and now he's got Star Wars. Um, I guess just going back to this, I just have two main thoughts, I guess, around this. It's like, one, like John Watts, like we've talked about on this podcast and this specifically in the checkup so many times, leaving the MCU, not doing Fantastic Four, taking a break from Spider-Man, right? Doesn't want to be tied down, but he goes to Star Wars. So when you think of that, it's like, oh, my God, this project is probably unbelievable. But when you read this, like, one line, like, I don't know what this show's about so far. I know it's very vague, but. I'm not understanding his decision right now. Uh, and with Jude Law, no offense to Jude Law, he's kind of like, I'm not saying he's a bad actor or anything. Like, I think at one point he was very, very, very good. I just think that right now he's not like the hottest name in Hollywood. And now he's going to be in Star Wars. Is this going to be a comeback tour? I'm not sure. But um, I guess other than that, when you think 10-year-old kids, like I'm thinking Goonies, I'm thinking Stranger Things, I'm thinking something like that, but they're not going to be the, the highlight of this. So why even bring it up? Why even bring it up? I don't know. Again, this goes back to the uncertainty that I don't like around the Star Wars universe. But again, like we'll see. I trust John Watts and Filoni and the boys and Kathleen Kennedy. So, yeah, I guess like we'll just wait and see for this. Yeah, to me, it was like giving off like Super 8 vibes when they talk about like it's a kid starring in it, but like it's not a kid's movie. It seems like, first of all, like you're having kids starring in it. It's not a kid's movie. This is a Star Wars property. What are you making? Like TV 14? Like they're not going to be able to like watch it if you're a kid. It's just, he's trying to make it, I guess, clear that this is not like an animated show or it's not one that's just going to appeal to an eight-year-old. It's one that anyone could view. I think it's just making sure that he's making the audience known this is a legitimate TV show that is not for kids. Okay. So it's just that the fact that it's like, it's, it's target demographic is everybody and it's the uh if it's the everyday star wars fan so i'm excited about it. i'm not sure what it's gonna be about super vague but john watts going from spider-man to this it's an exciting prospect it's an exciting prospect and leaving fantastic four okay and then committing to this maybe he had stronger um creative control over this property expanding the star wars universe rather than accepting fantastic four which is like these like 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 monstrous characters that are so beloved by certain audiences. Maybe he thought it was more tempting to do something with lesser known characters and in a corner of the galaxy. No one's really talked about yet. Uh, There's something else I want to talk about. So Babu Frick, we're going to have the return of Babu Frick in uh, season three of the Mandalorian. As we wrap up here, we're talking with our star Wars corner. Uh, were you a Babu Frick guy after episode nine? No. I'm not. Uh, that might be. Simply it. put, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't get the hype around him or Babu. I, I really don't. I love Babu Frick, to be honest. I don't know. Like, I haven't I, seen him in forever, but I love him. Yeah, like I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't get the hype 
I guess. I guess he's like it's cool. He's cool. It just I don't know. It doesn't. It's not like oh, it's gonna be game changer for the Mandalorian season three. Babu Frick's gonna be in it. It's not like a Sokatano, Bo-Katan, I, or Boba Fett coming along. You know, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, why are people freaking out about this? Well, I think he was like one of the more po- like one of the only positive aspects <laughs> of Rise of Skywalker. So to see them like taking okay, there was an actual good part of this and incorporating it into the Mandalorian. I think Babu Frick like his his stock's going up in the Star Wars universe. Like his stock is way up there For now. Sure. He's appearing yeah. there. Definitely. Him and Grogu, are you kidding me on screen together? Like, they have to do cuteness that. Cuteness overload. Cuteness overload, bro. <laughs> Think about the toys that are going to be sold together. Like, there's going to be like two babies that like Mandalorian's going to be some very cute moments where he's like telling them like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah, listen to what I'm saying. You know, he's just going to be like commanding them what to do. But Boba Frick's also like low-key, like a genius too. But I haven't yeah, seen yeah. Rise of Skywalker since the theaters. I've not seen it since. I I, I haven't either. <laughs> That's actually... That, what year did that come out again? 2019? That's, yes, I believe so. Wow, I haven't seen that movie in three years. Maybe we should do when we don't have a review for a week, we look back at Rise of Skywalker. That might be like me punching at the wall when I watch it, but okay, I'm down. Yeah, let's just like get angry for a podcast. Let's just <laughs> get all our rage out. But then we'll talk about Babu Frick and like we'll just have a whole episode devoted to like the future of Babu Frick's character. Stemming from maybe like I'll Skywalker. Maybe I'll join on this bandwagon, the Babu Frick bandwagon. Uh, as we round out the Star Wars corner of this episode, I think we should also talk about the trailer for Andor because that one was actually on a main feed from the Star Wars Twitter account. Uh, one that I saw and without any graininess to it, and it was directly from the source. I wasn't very excited for this series. I still am I still am not like completely all in on this just because once again we're diving into characters that I don't necessarily have an affinity towards or at least I don't have an affinity towards yet. I I liked Rogue One. Uh it's not like I was clamoring for a Cassian Andor series uh talking about his um his build up, okay, a prequel to Rogue One. That's not really something I was striving for, but I do like it has like that Rogue One aesthetic. All right, that gritty type of Star Wars story to it. I got really excited when I saw Stellan Skarsgård. That's a part of this series. I think he's one of the most underrated, like villainous type of actors. So I, 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 I anticipate he's going to be playing some type of villainous role here. Uh, could be wrong. I don't know. I'm just making some judgments early on, but I like the street levelness of this type of story. It's a, once again exploring parts of the universe that aren't connected to jedi that aren't connected to obi-wan and anakin and the rest of the skywalker saga so i don't know i'm interested i'm not in love with it but it looks cool yeah i agree i'm not obsessed with this i think rogue one was awesome i think a lot of that awesomeness though was because starth vader's in it and not just a cameo so i think that's why i love it so much but i think you hit on like the main notes of this it shows the grittiness which a lot of star wars fans wanted or a lot a lot of fans wanted to see more of so this is what you're going to get. You're not going to get just one, but two seasons of this. So I have hopes that it will be at least adequate because they already guaranteed two seasons. So that's good. I think Stellan Skarsgård being a tat or being a part of this is a positive because he is on a roll right now, ever since mm-hmm. Chernobyl, like he is going. So I think him probably in a villainous role because he's, he's always in a villainous role, tight cast. Girl with the dragon tattoo. Amazing as the villain there. 
amazing. Dune, it, he was in Dune. Like we're just like moving and moving and moving with him. So, <laughs> so, and also, um, not shown in this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong because you're the doctor, Forrest Whitaker. Isn't he going to be in this? I would assume so, right? As uh, I forgot his character's name. Um, don't ask me. I do now. I'll look it up. But while you're looking it up, I I really think that yeah, the grittiness, spy, Cassian Endor, like cool character. Is he Ahsoka? Saw Guerrero. Saw Guerrero. Thank you. Um, is he an Ahsoka, the Mandalorian, Boba Fett? No. Similar to what I was saying before with Babu Frick, but to a lesser extent because Andor was a prominent character in a Star Wars movie. But I guess that's just like where I'm like, all right, two seasons of this. They really got to make it not just about the character because the character can't carry this show because he's not big enough. He's not just a part of that Star Wars canon like the other characters I mentioned. It's more about it's got to be more about. All right. There's got to be a good show with good Star Wars elements to please mm -hmm. fans and not just fans, but make it critically successful. So I hope they like having two seasons of it, not just uh, confirmed already is a good sign, but it's again, a wait and see with this, with star Wars. It's a wait and see. So what's interesting is that they're trying to like this, the rebels here. That's what we're diving into. Like this, like it's not known as the resistance. That's not till like after episode six, but like these people that are standing up like this, like, like starting up from like grassroots operation from everyday citizens, non-powerful jedi right it's just everyday folks that want to stand up to the galactic empire and i think we're starting to this is a good tease of what we're learning about obi-wan right watching that series and seeing that at the street level what do the everyday common person think of the empire not just like the classic like jedi council and what they've gone through verse right the Sith Lord, the, the the Sith Lord, Sidious, and everything. It's like okay, well, what's everyone else's perspective on this type of, uh, on this type of like, I guess, empire that controls their lives, okay? And what do they think of the Jedi? We're starting to learn about that from Obi Wan. I feel like we are expanding this world, and it feels like even though Obi Wan is a, like a strong connection to the Skywalkers, obviously from the first two episodes, um, it's still expanding like this stage between episode three and four and what's happening okay with everybody else during this time right so i think andor is going to somehow connect strongly with obi-wan just because it's giving you that perspective what's going on right and what people think about the powers that be in the universe so cool cool stuff very cool very cool yeah but i think saw Gerrera is expected to return in uh andor so that'd be nice to have like forrest whitaker in there will never hurt so no, that's it for Star Wars. Okay. It's, we are, it's a, we're going into the vast unknown. Okay. In the galaxy far, far away. It's going to be exciting to see what comes up next. Uh, before we move on, I think we also need to pay a tribute to an actor that passed away uh, last week, at the end of last week, Ray Liotta, uh, mainly known for Goodfellas, is Henry Hill. He sadly passed away at the age of 67. Most recently, he was seen in The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, I, I think his role in the many saints of Newark was one of the, uh, I guess, positive attributes to that movie. It's one of the parts that in a very, like, I guess, polarizing film. It was, everyone was noticing that he was a strong proponent of it. So, uh, Ray Liotta, all time mobster actor, uh, known for, obviously you want to go beyond Goodfellas. You got field of dreams, 
Okay. He was recently in Marriage Story, right? He's got a very interesting filmography. But Ricky Flux, what's your relationship with Ray Leona? And uh, yeah, let's pay a little tribute here. So first time I saw him on the screen was Goodfellas. I saw Goodfellas at a too young of an age. Parents, it's okay. It's on TNT. Um, yeah, I. Ray, this is a tough one. I, has it been like told like how he died yet? He's, he's only like sixty-seven. I, so, I, I've not known I, the reason. Man, yeah, I don't know, but you no. Know, like when you think of Ray Liotta, besides like movies, like he's kind of like typecasted, like playing like cops or like hard like intense characters, violent, right? Um, he has one of the craziest laughs ever uh, to go into Hollywood, right? And this is just like a pretty shocking like like news, I guess, for me. I, I, I really just did not see this at all. I, well, no one saw it coming, but like just I didn't realize he was, he was only 67. That's basically what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. I can't believe how young he was. Because when I heard he died, I'm like, oh, okay. But then I thought he'd be like closer to 80 or past that. No, he's only 67. And yes, he just saw him in many states in New York, and he looked great. So I really, I'm just curious as to that. But um, yeah, Ray Liotta, I just mentioned, like, I think Goodfellas. You could you could argue that Henry Hill that might have been the greatest mob performance of all time in a movie. You arguably could, yeah. like, if we had to top. It was amazing. If we had a top billing of greatest uh, performances in a mom movie, like he would be up there, probably a first round pick. So Ray Liotta will be missed. Like, and he did a lot more than Goodfellas too. Like, I yeah. think Marriage Story, uh, a Marriage Story, incredibly underrated, severely underrated. Laura Dern gets a lot of the praise. I think he was phenomenal as a lawyer in that as well. Mm-hmm. I think he was great in that, and then it's obviously like Field of Dreams and more uh, something wild, which basically got him um the role for uh goodfellas um but yeah just a sad loss uh i think he did an amazing job in goodfellas because he was like like scorsese like he was like perfect for the scorsese model for a lot of his movies how like um this life excess can end up bringing you down and like the like you see his character transformation from like this smooth talking mobster who has like all his life he's wanted to be a gangster and then at the end like with him like sweat like profusely sweating and like he's a cocaine addict okay you see his life unraveling he is like the prototype for like most scorsese movies i think he played like that theme that like that continuously like happens like when you look at like Wolf of Wall Street also like like I would say that character is so comparable to Henry Hill with Leo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort okay but I just think of that type of Scorsese character someone who has it all okay is willing to give in uh in, like I guess basically go to a dark go to a dark side give up his morals and in, in order to have this luxurious lifestyle but end up like costing him in the end like that's what I think of with Henry Hill. And then he also has inc- – he's like going against the greats in that movie. You're going against – you're going with Pesci. You're going with De Niro. It's like there's – these are the greatest of all mobster actors, and you're going toe-to-toe, and you arguably have the best performance in the movie alongside Pesci probably. You know, It's an incredible legacy that he's left in terms of mobster movies. Uh, I, I read that he was going to be in – he had an opportunity to play Ralph Cifaretto in uh, Sopranos. Yeah, turning he, it down. He and- he is like a long a laundry list of 
roles he turned down. Like he was Tim Burton's first choice to play Harvey Dent in Batman 1989, but he couldn't do it because of good. He would have been great. He would have been great as as that character. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was supposed. I know uh, Scorsese wanted him to play uh, Mark Wahlberg's character in The Departed. Oh my gosh! But he had other like things going on. Turned that down. And I'm pretty sure, like before James Gandolfini, they looked at him for Tony Soprano. I, I thought I that saw too. that coming through the newswire. So like, he really like again like he could have been any more stuff. But uh, I think at the end of the day, like he's gonna be known for Henry Hill, right? But he was a great overall actor. And also, just I know we did like an Instagram post, uh, just like some images. Man, like I think and Henry Hill, like you're thinking about like him being coked out and like on drugs a lot, or just very sweaty or whatever, not put together. And when even when he's put together, just like I don't know, just coked up, like I said. But um, when he was younger, man was a stud. Oh yeah, like absolute stud, right? Like the piercing blue eyes, like the hair, right? Like I think people like forget that because he, Dude, he always feel plays the dreams he had it going on, man. Feel the feel dreams. the dreams, yeah. Feel the dreams. So yeah, again, just will be missed. Like overall, like great career, but gone far too soon. I feel like I just want when I found out he died, I wa- I watched on YouTube uh, when he enters the club with Lorraine Bracco and that one shot and like Andy and then he kissed me. That's playing one of the greatest needle drops mm. in movie history. He's part of some of the most iconic scenes in movie history from Goodfellas, arguably the greatest movie that's ever been made. So like like his contributions for that movie cannot be understated. Rest in peace to a legend. Um yeah, I think I'm gonna watch Goodfellas tonight. I watched it um this weekend, just in honor, and it's starting to creep up on me that it might be as good or better than The Godfather. It's it's I've never been on that side, but what rewatching Goodfellas this weekend, I was like, I don't know if I'm just being sentimental and emotional right now, but wow, it was uh, on the rewatch again because I've seen it a thousand times, but this rewatch it was just like, okay, I could I can maybe see this, like see see that argument. What's crazy is like I think about you you list like those roles he turned down and you think about the career that could have been. We had like a potential draft uh a couple weeks ago. It's like so the actor that like if you looked at after Goodfellas, you probably would have thought that Ray Liotta might have gone on to have like one of the best careers in the history of Hollywood afterwards because he was so young when he that when that happened. But it seemed like he it seemed like that was just what his career became. He was always going to be known as Henry Hill and uh I think he, I think Leota was comfortable with that. It's just like, okay, this is like what I'm going to be known for. And it's not a way, it's not a bad way to like be remembered as like with the star of one of the greatest movies ever made. I guess that's, that's how he wanted to be, but like he could have easily sold out. I like as a maniacal villain, as you said, like maybe in a Batman movie, like I came with him with the laugh, felt like he could have done something there, but he's just synonymous with Henry Hill. And I don't think anything he did afterwards was going to change that. You know, yeah, just I think you're exactly right. And like arguably one of, if not the greatest, like movie intro, like as far as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Like, I think that's just what he's going to be known as and or that's what he will be known as. And he was completely fine with that, like you said. Yeah. So rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Uh, Moving along to another star from the 90s. Let's talk about Jodie Foster. Talk about Jodie Foster being cast as the lead in the next season of True Detective, season four. That's titled True Detective Night Country. Jodie Foster, you think Silence of the Lambs. You think Jodie Foster versus Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter. Okay. 
flick star, Jodie Foster, as the next lead in True Detective? Is this perfect or what? It's too perfect. It really is. And I think season three, not the greatest ending, but overall it was a great season of television. And especially it was hard coming off of how bad season two was. And it was like years later. Like season three was because of the failure of season two. Like we didn't know if we were ever going to get a season three of True Detective. Right. And we actually saw some like some linkages to season one from season three that I think a big question will be season four. Will this have a connection again or will it be like a slight connection like season mm-hmm. three did to season one? Right. Because we always hear the murmurs of McConaughey would come back for True Detective if he was given the chance and Woody Harrelson would. So maybe maybe this is just going to be the last time before that. Maybe this is a setup for that. I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing out wild things. I haven't seen any of this. I'm just throwing it out there and Tony Foster like you said this is perfect I don't I honestly can't think of a better casting for this and I think the biggest problem I see is the name Night yeah. Country mm. awful why can't we just say True Detective get that colon out of there once you put that colon in there it's like okay it's like a spinoff rather than another season of the show Ugh. you know <clears throat> it, it, it does maybe it gives me the heebie-jeebies when I see like uh, makes that, me scared that, that colon it's like okay this is like, oh, it's almost like beneath the rest of the series that have come before it. You know, it just feels like it's like inferior already. Uh, but Jodie Foster, Clarice Starling, like one of the best detectives in movie history. And the fact that we're getting Another her. Another idea. Her, yeah, I like that. And like her returning to this type of role as Clarice Starling and for a true detective, that's like the best detective show arguably there's ever been it's up there right at least it's most associated with you think obviously mcconaughey and harrelson in season one capture some of that magic and someone who is has that reputation it's just super cool i can't wait to see more of the castings that are happening along with that movie i'm just beyond excited um i think we also should move on to another huge name here we had our first look at bradley cooper as Leonard Bernstein in uh, his upcoming biopic that Cooper is directing and starring in, Maestro. It's also going to star Carrie Mulligan, Jeremy Strong, and Maya Hawke. All right. This movie, I mean, you showed me a tweet, Ricky Flex, of pictures of this film. Uh, there was four different pictures. One was like a young Bradley, uh, Bradley Cooper playing a young Leonard Bernstein. Two pictures, I think, with his wife at the time. But then you show me two pictures of this older dude, and I re- I literally said to you, "Who's that old guy?" And you said, "I don't know." Like, and then it didn't hit me until I looked at Twitter twenty minutes later. I was looking at it, I'm like, "Holy shit, that's Bradley Cooper!" Like this, <laughs> and you said it. You said it at the time. Actually, I'm not gonna steal your thunder. I'm, I'm gonna let you say the quote. But unrecognizable. And I think like after seeing that, like this is it. I think this is going to be it for our guy, Bradley Cooper. I think this is his best chance at snagging that Oscar. He was in Nightmare Alley this year. Like, obviously, extended cameo in Licorice Pizza, stealing the whole show. But here we go, Leonard Bernstein directing and starring in. Thoughts, Ricky Flicks? I think what you're referring to, what I said, was my immediate reaction. Yeah. Was Once I found out Bradley Cooper, that was Bradley Cooper as the old man there, is that, I think that the Batman just lost an Oscar. Exactly. Like, this is insane. Like, dude, the guy has white hairs. <laughs> Do you know how old Bradley Cooper is? He's 47. There's not a chance he has a single white hair in his body. Like, that guy, no way. 
and you're telling me like the that makeup hair whatever designer like that person oscar like give it to it give it to him or her already like insane um but uh again like or not again but i guess regard in regarding to this movie right so like, he's playing letter bernstein right Com- famous composer west side story i guess is like the only thing i would know right i don't, I don't know anything else but i guess this is film is going to be around basically kind of similar to walk the line as in like this is focused on like the relationship between carrie mulligan and bradley cooper so leonard bernstein and his wife felicia whatever um bernstein probably and jeremy strong is going to be a critic in this and what do you think of jeremy strong he's kind of typecasted as like a prick if you think of um succession you think of um the molly's game the gentleman uh like you just think of him as a prick and everything he's in the the big short. So I think critics are stereotypically pricks. So this is perfect for him. And again, like even Cooper looking like as a younger Leonard Bernstein, again, looks incredible with the makeup and hair design in there as well. So I think Batman just lost an Oscar. I think this just based off of the images looks great so far. And you have some of the best actors in Hollywood playing in this. I think this has a lot of potential in Oscar buzz. Hopefully it comes out this year and then potentially Bradley Cooper can get his first win either directing or acting. So what's interesting is we just saw someone playing Leonard Bernstein in uh, what was Jonathan Larson movie starring Garfield. That What was that musical called? Tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom. So I think someone played Leonard Bernstein, right? Going to see uh, tick, tick, boom, like the show at the end. Um, but, Something's interesting. He has a very interesting dynamic with his marriage. Do you know about Leonard Bernstein, Ricky, with his marriage? No, I don't. But that's what the movie is going to focus on. So when you say complex, I'm super good for this movie because they like Leonard Bernstein. I think was a homosexual, but he was married. Okay, and he married because like apparently like uh, in terms of he was a conductor. A lot of like the people you work with when you're designing like i guess who you're working with they're very conservative most of the time so he had to get married okay in order to like have the orchestras and like do what he wanted to do as a conductor and that's gonna okay. it's gonna be a huge part of the story i'm pretty sure like i feel like it's impossible i did i did a quick wikipedia search because i was curious about it and I, it was, reliable uh, yeah of course but i just think that's gonna be a huge portion of the story but he's like won like seven emmys he was the head conductor of the new york philharmonic like he is just Beast. He was a maestro, like he was a monster at what he did. Uh, and West Side Story is just a monster in and of itself, maybe the best like Broadway soundtrack that's ever happened. So, what were you gonna say? And do you know who a couple of the producers are for this movie, Doctor? No, so Steven Spielberg is wow. a producer on this movie. I don't know if it's executive or actual producing, uh-huh. but smart he just did his own West Side Story. And he's doing a, a producing a movie with the guy who composed West Side Story. So boom, there's one. And then I I swear I saw this um on Twitter, but I think Scorsese's also um helping out with this as well. Probably executive producing, that's cool. but that's insane. Bradley Cooper, go from a star is born director directorial debut to this, and now you're getting Spielberg, Spielberg and Scorsese, are we the two greatest directors of all time helping you? Like that's so Netflix. Cool could get their first Oscar with this movie. And like, like in like terms of like becoming an actual filmmaker, like Bradley Cooper, he's really turning into something, man. He produced Joker as well. 
and like, like Scorsese was an executive producer on that as well. This is an insane follow-up. It looks like it's going to be something incredible. I like you brought up Jeremy Strong. I love the prospect. I love seeing Jeremy Strong like doing so well. I hated that he was getting a terrible reputation following like this method acting stuff that came out. Article is published like during season what season three of Succession. Uh, kind of people ripping on him, but at the same time, he's back in the limelight. We got Can going on right now. He is getting a lot of buzz for Armageddon Time alongside Anne Hathaway, and now he's going to be like a supporting character in Maestro. I mean, exciting times for our guy Jeremy Strong, and he also has seemed like a guy who's kind of forced his way into the like Hollywood conversation, similarly to like how Bradley Cooper did. Like he just like just has this um, insatiable drive, right, to be successful as an actor. I feel like there are a lot of similarities between Jeremy Strong and like a Bradley Cooper. Right. They, they didn't like start off with a ton of success right when they started as actors. They kind of found their way and like forced themselves into the conversation. I think there are some similarities there. No, you kind of know what I'm talking about there, Flex. Yeah. And like Jeremy Strong looks older than Bradley Cooper and he's 43 years old, mm-hmm. like, that, which is kind of crazy to me. And I think that Jeremy Strong just kind of he hit his big break a little later than like a Bradley Cooper. And hopefully like. Again, like we talk about the method acting, how he's like influenced by, I think he was influenced by Daniel Day-Lewis, like he really, like when he was younger and like he's in this, right? But he's not like the lead. I really hope that like after Succession, that's not his peak. Like I think that'll be his peak as in like in society and his influence on society. But I hope like his acting peak is in cinema and Oscar noms, like potentially a win in the future. I don't know if he'll ever get to that level, but I just want to see, I want to see him like go past succession and really get critical success, especially with this backlash. Cause just like you said, we're huge fans of his huge mm-hmm. fans. So I really hope for the best for him. I think he is like, a, he is about to take that next step, which is really exciting. Like with these like prestigious films working with these great directors. All right. That's cool. Cool to see. Uh, I just want to uh, breeze through some of this other news. We don't really have to talk about it. Some JJ Abram news. He's he's uh, developing a live action speed racer series for Apple TV plus Apple TV going to, I guess, more like recognizable IP with this series teaming up with JJ Abrams. But also I want to talk about really quick. There's reportedly frustration within Warner Brothers Discovery that J.J. Abrams has laid claim to a number of DC characters but hasn't developed anything with them. Okay, so he's kind of hogging these characters. No projects have come to fruition yet. The company has seen scripts for a Constantine and Madam X pilot. Okay, so so two different shows, two different pilots. DC has this relationship with J.J. Abrams. When did they sign this deal? It must have been a couple of years ago now, and nothing's come of it, you know? It's ridiculous. If you look at his IMDb, he's in a million things. It's like yeah. the most like pre-production, post-production, filming, announced. He's in a thousand different projects. And you're telling me this guy is a huge aspect of DC. And I'm not just saying a thousand different projects within DC. I'm also talking about outside DC. Like he's doing Cloverfield, back to Cloverfield, producing that. Star Trek, doing that. A bunch of independent things, or not independent, but like separate from those uh, all these franchises, like non-franchise related stuff. Like it's it's insane how much work he's doing. He's supposed to be a huge head of DC. We can't be doing this. This is exactly what the problem was with DC and the direction of strong of poor leadership, especially uh, inside of DC and developing these storylines and and timelines and characters. So we cannot be doing this. Absolutely cannot. He's got his hands in too many pots right now. Like it's just like he, he's trying. He wants to be a part of everything, but I think 
I, I think it's going to be an issue later on. Like his focus doesn't seem to be in one spot. And we, we like, we can see what can happen with major IP. If you don't have your full focus, you're going to upset fans. Right. And uh, you're, you're putting yourself like there's going to be an easy target on you. If things don't succeed. There's you only know? 24 hours in a day, JJ. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, just like, just commit to like the DC stuff. Just like put something out there. Um, speaking of DC stars, uh, Rachel Zegler, star of Shazam Fury, the gods sequel to the first Shazam, uh, her and Tom Blythe. Well, I think that's how you pronounce his name are going to lead the hunger games prequel. The ballad of songbirds and snakes can be directed by Francis Lawrence. It's going to follow a young Coriolanus snow. I don't even know if you pronounce that right. Uh, as he mentors and develops feelings for Lucy Gray, the District 12 tribute during the 10th Hunger Games. I honestly don't care. Like, uh, to me, this is irrelevant. Like, I, uh, who wants to see a Hunger Games prequel? I feel like that had a very special niche time when it came out where it's like, yeah, this was, like, cool. It's like the breakthrough for Jennifer Lawrence and everything. But do people care about it, like, nowadays? I would say no. Who cares about, like, Hunger Games? I still haven't seen the original trilogy. Like, all, I've only seen the first one. Like, like, I haven't seen Mockingjay Part One and Two. Movies, but like they just don't have like staying power like other franchises have and came out during that time. They kind of eventually, even though they made a lot of money, it just seems like the MCU has this stamp of remembrance more so than Hunger Games. Like they don't have that don't allure, have affinity to it. Yeah, right. Allure. I think like the the analogy wouldn't be to like a superhero, it'd be to like another successful franchise from books, and that's Harry Potter. And Harry yeah. Potter, just a mystical. Twilight. Fantasy Twilight, I guess, is another one. Vampires, werewolves, just that it doesn't have that same effect. And this one's like the effect is like they draft people or they draft or pick people to go kill each other. Like that's more more sounds like a Black Mirror episode, like one and done type thing rather than a franchise. So to do a prequel of that, I don't know. I think the story here is more Rachel Zegler. Again, West Side Story. She's doing Shazam that comes out later this year, right? Um, she's gonna be Snow White uh, next year. Major IP. So just continues the IP train and going to be making a lot of money at the box office. All these movies are so continues to be seen and hope maybe gets back to that critical critical those critical movies similar to a West Side Story after this major IP. Yeah, so I, I guess it's cool that she's doing that, but like. I mean, you're just coming off West Side Story. You might want to do something like similarly correlated to West Side Story. But like she didn't get the movie. Oscar nom that a lot of people thought she was going to get. So maybe she's like, all right, maybe I just need to be seen more. Because that was like her first uh, uh, feature, full feature role. A little more mainstream. Right. So she needs to get like a, she needs to get seen more. She needs to get like that recognition. So then next time she does like a West Side Story type of role, it's like, all right, you're going to get nominated no matter what, because you're Rachel Zegler. You're a huge star. Right. We want you at the Oscar ceremony, basically. Not not invite you until the day before. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. And if you're one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, which she probably will be after all these major IP roles, it'll be like, we want you at the Oscars and we won't forget to invite you. Yeah. Yeah. More mainstream. I think that's what she needs. Uh, So she's going to be playing Snow White for Disney live action. All right, let's do a little connection here. Connect the dots. We also had a new trailer. Okay, trailer roundup, uh, Pinocchio. Okay, next Disney live action project. Um, the first trailer came out starring uh, Geppetto, played by Tom Hanks. Uh, you got Jiminy Cricket, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Cynthia Erivo as Ervio as uh, the fairy. Is it fairy godmother? Yes. Is that, is that who it is? Or, uh, the is it? It's not fairly. 
It's not this. Is that what it's called? It's not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let me look at the gas really cost. It is a fairy of some sort. Cast yeah. of Pinocchio. Search. Geppetto. Uh, Tom Hanks. The mustache. That is so fake. Yeah. Now he. They. They. They tried to like. It didn't. They kind of tried to disguise him a lot, make him like a character actor for this one. He didn't. We didn't hear him. We heard him like say the the iconic quote to the star and stuff. <laughs> right. This seems super cheesy. It seems it, super it, cheesy. It, like I think after watching this, I'm more excited for the Ewan McGregor Guillermo del Toro Netflix animated, uh, or stop motion Pinocchio yeah. more than this. After 100%. seeing this, uh, yeah, who's playing Pinocchio? It's uh, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth. Uh, uh, Irvio is uh, Arivo. I keep pronouncing your name wrong. It's the blue. I think it's just a blue fairy. Blue fairy. Okay. Blue fairy. But, I'm uh, not a big Pinocchio guy. Like it scared me as a kid. Like the whale. Well, hundred percent. Like like see, like that moment where it, like qu- the camera quick pans to like Pinocchio dead on the beach. That's one of my least favorite moments. But one I probably of the haven't moments I, in movie. I history. probably haven't seen that movie in fifteen years. I haven't seen it since I was probably like six. Yeah, like same, like 15, 20 years. That's out. I was impressed though by the way it looked in terms of like Pinocchio looks exactly like he did. The poster hits hard. Yeah, it's the pretty poster good. is good. And uh like Jimmy Cricket looks amazing too. Like he's gonna be the scene stealer of the movie. Uh JGL. I don't know, it looks cool. Like it, it looks cool, but it's just like if you want something a little different, I feel like this is gonna be interesting because with like two Pinocchio movies coming out in the same year, like what the hell? Um COVID. I think we're going to have like a little bit of a darker aspect with obviously the del Toro version. Uh, I think you're going to have more interesting performances, a different take. It's almost going to feel to me like a Burton type of project. Okay. Uh, when you think of, I guess like the animated stuff he's done and, uh, and this, the next, the del Toro is fully animated, right? Movie yes. He's making. Yeah. So yeah. different take on it a little bit. Uh, I think I'm not six year old anymore. I could actually handle the darker version now. If you want the more conventional type, okay, the direct, right? Kids will go adaption. See it. You're going to be going for Robert Zemeckis here, who's teaming up with Tom Hanks uh, for another project, okay, following their Forrest Gump run, and uh, they're also reuniting again for an upcoming project with Robin Wright, okay, and Tim uh, Tim Roth, not Tim Eric Roth. Roth, Eric Roth, yeah, different guy. All right. Uh, I think also just want to bring up really quick. Uh, first trailer for Showtime's American Gigolo remake starring John Bernthal. Yo, John Bernthal is hot right now. Like, he is doing it all. Literally. Like, sorry, no pun intended with American Gigolo. But, like, this dude is like, We Own the City is taken, like, HBO by storm. Like, yeah, successful. TV by I haven't storm. watched it, but I heard it's good. And we got him in this remake of American Gigolo. Like, dude, he, he's finally, like, coming into his own a little bit maybe this will be a, this will be transferred as a lead on the big screen next you know i think something's happening hey like so i didn't see this until right before this podcast started you said you should, i should watch it so i watched it this looks pretty good mm-hmm. like this looks pretty good it reminded me of like an hbo style show um obviously showtime very similar right uh, ray donovan this looks like this looks really good you have like everything you want to see right like the dramatic like every like the drama, right? Conspiracy, storylines, murder, like crime, everything going on, right? And a sexy story, literally, pun intended. So it's just like I guess this is as all the elements. It has the actor. Now can we put together a good season of television? 
really interested. I don't know if I'll watch it. Similar to we own the city. Like there's so much television. I'm an I like major IP. Like we just talked about Star Wars for the first 30 minutes of this podcast. Like that's gonna be my main priority. But just because we love John Bernthal, we're a John Bernthal pro podcast. I feel like I have to watch it at some point. I like what Bernthal's doing though. It seems like this is gonna be a more sensitive role. What is he known for? Almost like John Ham S type roles, this macho, authoritative type figure. Maybe we're seeing a different side of Bernthal here. I think it's it's exciting what he's trying to do right now. He's not He's like reinventing himself a little bit, and he's almost like trying to classify himself as less of a supporting guy, but more of a leading guy. Like he's I doing like this that. Prestige TV. Let's hope, let's hope it carries over to the big screen, bro. Like we're burnt yeah. down, guys. You're that's right. What you're, see. No, no, no. That's it. you're exactly right. He's always been known as a side character, and mm-hmm. now he finally is getting this. Even like in in uh, many states of New York, side character. Yeah. You, you, like Johnny Soprano should have been the main character. Main character, some some say, but side character in that. It was side character to Angelina Jolie in Those Who Wish Me Dead the uh, two years ago that we reviewed on this podcast. Yep. Not the greatest movie, but he was a side character there. So how do you make that leap? You have to prove it and you to be that A-lister, that leading man. And he's going to prove it through prestige TV, not cable prestige. That's the way to do it. You're right. This is good for him. I just, a lot of TV going on right now. Got to pick and choose. I think I'll watch it in time. I don't know if I'll watch like, the first episode on that first Sunday night or whenever this airs. Yeah, I don't have Showtime, so I, I'll, I'll have to like come over and watch. I know Dad has uh, the premiere like subscription there. Uh, okay, that's gonna do it for the trailer roundup and the checkup this week, and that's gonna do it for our episode. Uh, make sure you're tuning into our feed this week. We had our review of Top Gun Maverick that dropped yesterday. We had our le- our top five legacy sequels in the same episode. Tune into our episode tomorrow. We're going through and breaking down episodes one through three of Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? A series that is much in the uh, pop culture lexicon right now, dominating conversation on Twitter. Can't wait to break it down for you and reveal our thoughts on the first half of this mini series. I can't believe it. After with the drop of this next episode, it's three out of the six have already been released. So we're going to make sure halfway through to give you a little update there. Okay, we're also going to give you a top billing draft later this week of the best movie pilots in history on the big screen cinematic history. Make sure you're following us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button, subscribe to our YouTube, along with uh, following us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at The Drive-In Podcast. This is Dr. Owen Ricky Flick signing off from episode 109. Until next time, we will 